the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back as we head into hour two. This is going to be really interesting and uh, really enlightening. Um, many of you in the audience have been following what uh, Ann Atkinson has termed the free speech crisis at ASU that I wouldn't say began with, but was shown in such sharp relief when, on behalf of the Lewis Center for which she worked, uh, brought in Dennis Prager and Robert Kiyosaki to give talks. Robert, uh, sorry, Dr. Gallopan, is that his last name? Dr. Gopalan. Oh, Gopalan. I always mispronounce it, and I apologize for that. Um, and everything went crazy. The wheels fell off the cart. Dozens of professors took to slandering and libeling Dennis Prager and others as white nationalists because they disagreed with them. Ann Atkinson, who many of you know, this is uh, maybe second or third time here with us um, in our studio. She is what I de- uh, what I what I what I call the princess warrior of free speech. Ann Atkinson is, but we also have another guest, someone we have spoken about, but whose testimony you have not heard, and it was heard today at the state legislature. The state legislature has been holding hearings on what's been taking place with regard to free speech, and that's one Lynn Blake, who also. Like like Anne lost her job, Lynn. Um, it was good hearing your testimony today. I'm so glad that you were able to give it and get it in on the public record. Why don't you introduce yourself to the audience a little bit? You were another casualty of the free speech crisis at ASU, and take a few moments to outline and sketch what you what you detailed today. Well, thank you, Seth. Thank you for having me, uh, Lynn Blake. Um, I'm the former event and operations manager at ASU Gamage and Desert Financial Arena. Uh, I have a long uh, terms of working for in hospitality from Marriott to convention centers, museums, hotels, and uh, lastly the Johns Hopkins University before moving to Arizona. I'm a New York native. I grew up in uh, Long Island. And I don't have an accent anymore, so don't ask me to impersonate anybody. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here today, and I was uh, very pleased with the opportunity to present my story today. Yeah, because you, too, have been slandered around uh, with false accusations and what I would even go so far as to say have been pretexts for your dismissal from ASU Gamage. What was your role at ASU Gamage uh, in working with Anne in putting together this event, and what happened? So as the event and operations manager um, managing the venue, Anne was actually my client. We had never met before. Um, I took uh, the inquiry, the call, um, looked into the space, the date, the times, uh, wrote up a contract, shared it with uh, all the the higher-ups that be that need to sign off on that, and we were off and running with an event planned for the future. Like any number of times I'm guessing you have done before with any number of occasions. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So what happens up to the point of an event is uh, you're gathering information, you're working with uh, logistics, what we need, lighting, sound, 
uh, tickets, what we need for stage set, and um, we wait for a speaker lineup if if that's the kind of event we're doing. And uh, as soon as the speakers were announced, um, I started to get some pushback from other colleagues and staff, and Anne did as well. And it was a little feeling a little odd that um, everybody was distancing themselves and taking down any marketing or refusing to put up any marketing, uh, just like any other event that we do in live theater. Um, I put a request in for the box office to put it on our website or let people know that tickets are are for sale, and um, they refused to do so, and I, I couldn't get an answer why. So um, shortly after that, I figured out why after uh, getting a lot of feedback and pushback from colleagues of, why, why is ASU allowing a white supremacist, quote-unquote, speak on our stage? And that white supremacist would have been Dennis Prager? That is correct. They also didn't like the fact that Charlie Kirk was part of the event. Yeah. But keep in mind, the event was on health, wealth, and happiness. Yeah. This, this wasn't was even really a political event. Not at all. Right. And, and who knows what the doctor's politics are? <laughs> I mean, I don't—I I, right. to this moment don't know. And Nobody has mentioned him up until now. And so, up yeah. until now, Robert Kiyosaki himself hasn't even been that political. I think this this changed him a lot, to be fair. So you have uh, – what nationality, by the way, is the good doctor? Dr. Radha Gopalan grew up in Sri Lanka. So you have a Sri Lankan, a Japanese-American, and a Jewish-American who are white nationalists, according to the higher-ups at ASU. So they put pressures on you, felt and, and, and noticed, and then what happened? Leading up to the event, um, we, I, I was in meetings with other staff, ASU staff, and they were pressuring me to get uh, information from Anne so that we could find out if this event was going to be pulling the plug or if we needed to pull the plug, and uh, that I was to give her up until 5 o'clock, um, on that given day to, to make a decision. Um, mind you, you know, I build all the schedules, so I have lots of staff who are planning to work. Uh, little did I know um, we're planning to no-show and leave me in a precarious situation. Um, so once I heard from Anne that it was a go, uh, lots of folks did not want to be present at yeah. the event. Yeah. Um, two days later, I had done a, a church event, which was not uh, a faith-based event. It tell, was, tell me about this church event. So is this is this part of an ASU property as well, or a Gamage property? Yeah. It was at Gamage, okay. and it was an event surrounding uh, the events of the Super Bowl, Okay, and uh, it was to raise awareness against sex trafficking, which is something It's always a big the, deal here, mm-hmm. right, sure. every Super Bowl. Sure. Yep. So, uh, again, high security, high stakes, and uh, lots of conversations. Why are we booking a church event? So they were back-to-back, so I was getting beat from all, all sides. And, and these are actually literally supervisors on the payroll of ASU who are saying to you things like, why would you have a church program or something that along the lines of— correct. What was the quote? Do you know the history of church pro Something like That's that? That's exactly the—, the there had been a history of churches um, who have had events at Gamage yeah. and was not looked upon favorably by the staff. Right. So here I am three years in uh, after pandemic starting to ramp up events along with Broadway and, and convocations um, only to find out, you know, that one of my team members uh, just 
really wanted me to know that that's inappropriate and not good for business, doesn't look good for us. Uh, they're disorganized, the, the whole the whole nine. So the two back-to-back required a lot of security and a lot of forethought and meetings and phone calls, and I'd had to reach out to, you know, Gilbert Mesa, uh, Tempe PD. Uh, we had a sniper on the roof. We had uh, drones in the air to make sure that Dennis Prager was I saw his, it. I was there. Yeah. I yeah, saw oh, it. I, right. I, was, I, I said it, 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 it felt like attending a KKK rally because it was um, at, meant to look like a KKK rally from the professors and the staff at ASU. And that's what indeed it looked like. I'd never seen anything like that at Gamage. You actually had a vice president of ASU. Did you not ask you why you would invite a white supremacist, meaning Dennis Prager? That's correct. It was a vice president at ASU. Yes. This is incredible. Do you think they knew any of his works, by the way? Do you think, I mean, I I assume you didn't know much of his works. You're just doing the workaday stuff of planning an event like you would do, I don't know how many times a week, right? I mean, That's correct. But if someone's going to say something strongly like so-and-so is a racist or a bigot or a white supremacist, you would think maybe they would be familiar with their works a little bit, right? Sure, sure. And that's where Google was my friend. Mm -hmm. I was able to do my own research. I mean, uh, let's be honest, Robert Kiyosaki, most people know him. Um, Charlie Kirk, yeah, they think he's an agitator. Um, But Dennis Prager, that was was the clincher. Mm -hmm. Um, And to be honest, I hadn't read any of his books, Mm -hmm. so I had to look closely at them until a colleague came in and said, do you know what books he wrote? He's an effing racist. Yeah. I thought, gee, I've got I've to start looking into yeah. this, you know. Could you find any racism on um, the record? No, not at all. <laughs> this is the man who wrote the book. This bears repeating. This is an observant Jew who wrote the most widely read and used book on anti-Semitism, who served on the Holocaust Museum's board of directors. It's an additional assault and insult to call someone who is the victim of something like a genocide a member of that genocidal crew. And that's what they were doing to Dennis Prager. We want to talk about unprotected speech. Frankly, slander and libel is unprotected. And then you ended up losing your job because you administered the rest of this event, yes? That's correct. When we come back on the other side of the break, I'll have you talk about that, and then I'd like to bring Ann into the conversation on anything additional, as well as talking about what we heard today at the state legislature. Yes? We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. It's a delight to have in studio uh, Ann Atkinson and Lynn Blake. Lynn's story is not one you necessarily would have known, as we have heard Anne's story uh, before, but today there was a second follow-up hearing at the state legislature, a joint committee hearing on the free speech crisis at our public universities. And Lynn Blake, who used to work at Gamage before she was fired, got to tell her story. So it's it's wonderful uh, to have you here, but for the reason that you are here, of course, Lynn, let me put it that way, as uh, Abraham Lincoln said about the man ridden out of town on a rail, aside from the honor of it, I'd just assume pass it up next time. So you helped plan with Anne this event on behalf of the Lewis Center at the Barrett Honors College. You are being spoken to by the higher-ups at ASU and your supervisors all along the way saying things like, why would you bring a white nationalist? Why would you book a white nationalist? Meaning Dennis Prager, meaning this observant Jew who is an expert on anti-Semitism. Um, tell us what happened after you had the security 
the event uh, took place such as it was. What happened over the next couple of days? So uh, going back into work, um, I took a day off. And I said, you know, I'm going to take the day, recuperate. And I had gotten out of the lottery two free tickets to a Broadway show. So my daughter was super excited. And um, the show is Annie. And uh, she's 20, but Annie never gets old. Um, We planned to go. And some colleagues of mine across campus were going the same night and said, hey, your tickets um, are close to ours. Let's try to get them together, which we did. We had a great time. Um, the, the theater was filled with with children. It was just a, a wonderful experience. Um, we went to the bar with my friend who purchased a drink. We did not. We were standing in line with her chatting. Um, and afterward, I was called in on Monday. The, the The very next, the weekend went by. Monday comes. There was an incident we need to speak about. And I'm like, how could there be an incident? I took Friday off. There's, I had no events over the weekend. Yeah. So I went in, and I was asked, did you provide a drink for a minor, your daughter? I said, absolutely not. Um, well, uh, we'll have to see what video footage shows. We were told that your daughter had a drink and that you provided it for her. And I was shocked at that time, and I said, at no time did I purchase anything. You can check whatever you need to check. Uh, my boss, uh, Jeff Rawlings, said, Lynn, just why don't you take a few days off, kick your feet up, go get a massage, take a hike, do whatever it, you need to do to relax. We'll, I'll, I'm sure this will all smooth over. Let me check video fo- footage and I'll get back to you. I was like, great. I just got a free pass to have a few more days off. Got my laptop, left for the day. Um, my husband and I made plans to leave out of town because that never happens when you're in events. You never yeah, get to leave. Sure. Um, and I get a, a text saying, uh, can you meet over Zoom? And I said, well, I, I took the days off. I'm not in town, but sure, we can schedule something. And uh, it took a few days for things to get scheduled, only to find out it was a s- scheduled meeting with human resources. And um, I was let go for the reasons of I was no longer a good fit. Mm-hmm. So um, they said I, they would give me a great recommendation and that I was available for rehire. And uh, thank you for all you've done kind of thing. And it was almost, I, you know, if I was being snarky, I could have laughed at that moment. But I was kind of shocked. I would imagine. Um, prior to that, I have to add that I was getting texts and emails and phone calls from other colleagues around campus. Colleagues that I planned their events, their graduations, School of Engineering, School of Nursing, uh, Office of the President, Office of the Provost. Hey, Lynn. We got a campus-wide email uh, saying that you're no longer with us. Did you get another job? Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is news to me. So you mm-hmm. see, I had a little inkling what that mm-hmm. HR meeting would be. Mm-hmm. Um, then <laughs> I didn't even ask for this, but I was being sent uh, screenshots. So I have the evidence that this took place. My boss says, hey, you know what, um, before the, the firing, why don't you work from home? And, and we'll, we'll schedule a time to meet uh, over Zoom. Okay. Well, I tried to log in. All my credentials were shut down for all of the programs that I use, email. So I didn't bring both of those things up during my firing because I kind of knew what was happening. I was still in shock. I was unhappy about the whole situation because, really, I, I gave it my all. 
What kind of reviews of employment did you have before February of this year? So ASU instituted a new program called Edge Conversations, and that's a time that you, as the employee, can initiate the conversation with your supervisor. So you're basically inviting them to review you. So um, I had done that several times, and it had I had nothing but you know raving reviews and um, accolades. Um, and my last one was December of of 2022, which was nothing less than stellar. So you see. This event took place in February, and then, you know, by February, a few days after, everything went south, and I was confused of where things went wrong. Did someone tell you Dennis Prager was a F-you-know-what racist? I can't say the word on air. Yes. They they came to my office and said, do you realize that this event has an effing racist no. that's one of the speakers? Yeah. This was what was surrounding and the pressure that you were yes, under. Yes, prior to, yep. You said screenshots. That what were the screenshots you were sent? So um, I I, thought, I I said, what do you what do you mean widespread um, word that I'm not working oh, there? I'm, I'm still that. working okay. there. Not screenshots of you purchasing no. alcohol no. for a minor because that was never proven because <laughs> it never happened. Correct. And by the way, minor, your daughter would be how old anyway? Well, she's 21 now, but okay. she was 20. Okay. All right. <laughs> we call this pretext. We call this pretext. So you were. The second cat. You were the first casualty for this speaking event with Dennis Prager, Robert Kiyosaki, and others. Anne was the second. People know your story, and uh, from you writing writing it up in the Wall Street Journal, from your testimony to the state legislature earlier this year, and from talking on this show. Is there anything you want to add before the commercial break that you think is uh, instructive on Lynn's story? Well, I think it's essential for your audience to understand she was an absolute rock star. Not only did her supervisor repeatedly say that, her team knew that. That was reinforced in my interactions with her and her whole team when we were planning this event, which we started planning in July of 2022. Lynn was celebrated. She came from John Hopkins University, where she worked for, I want to say, two decades. She was an incredible catch for this team. Her supervisor told her she was the best ever to fulfill this role, and everything changed as a result of our program. And not only did she put on health, wealth, and happiness almost single-handedly, and also this this church event two nights later, but she did that with nearly 15 no-shows of of colleagues on her own, and they were successful. Were those no-shows out of protest, by the way? Yes, they were. They wanted no part of a church event or a Dennis Prager event. That's correct. Why? You sure end up with a small group once you get rid of Jews and Christians, don't you? <laughs> when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about a piece of audio you have, Anne, and entered into the record, and talk a little bit about the hearing today on, on um, at the state uh, legislature. Anne Atkinson, Lynn Blake, and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Delighted to have with us Ann Atkinson and Lynn Blake, two casualties of the free speech crisis at ASU, two people who lost their job for facilitating, heaven forfend, Dennis Prager speaking to the college students at ASU earlier in February, and we were listening to Lynn Blake's testimony. Go back if you want, folks, a much more fuller uh, detailing uh, uh to the state legislature website today where they will have the video. It was very compelling testimony. And I was surprised. uh, You and I testified there a few months back. When was that? that July July? 18th. 
And there were several Democrats there because it is a joint and bipartisan committee. Um, I think there were maybe uh, equal number of Democrats as Republicans, as I recall, uh, when we testified. Um, I was watching. I wasn't there. You were there. There were zero Democrats who showed up. Zero. Four empty seats. There were six Republicans and four empty seats for the Democrats. What contempt? They have no interest in this. They have no interest. And what's so fascinating is that at the conclusion of our July hearing, one of the Democratic representatives said, look, this five and a half hours of important testimony facts, which was conveyed, she said, this was nothing but political theater. Right. And accused the real testimonies of, of what what happened at Arizona State of being a political theater, but then yet in the same committee, the Ad Hoc Committee on Freedom of Expression in Arizona's Public Universities, all four of the Democrats in the Democratic Caucus contributed to this political theater. Mm-hmm. They Senator Kern revealed at the opening of this of this committee that the Democrats were slow to organize. They tried to get people together. They even had one representative that was in the building at this time waiting to see if others would come, and they couldn't organize. They couldn't get together. So instead of what the, thing, the way they proceeded was they issued a press release at the very last minute to say, look, we don't support this divisive committee. and An investigation committee. Yes, we don't support this divisive committee, and we um, are going to, on our own, this, the Democratic caucus will follow up with ASU and the Arizona Board of Regents to, quote, confirm and prove procedures and consistent application of, of procedures to protect freedom of speech, end quote. How? So. They made this political theater. Yeah. The, Democratic, the Democratic caucus is saying, look, we're going to go on our own without these divisive Republicans. They're trying to make this partisan political They could theater. have invited witnesses. They, could, they didn't. In fact, I know for a fact the majority, the Republican majority, invited witnesses from ASU. They didn't represent either. They, didn't, they decided not to show up. They didn't come. President Crow himself and his office were invited yep. to attend, and not one— not one employee of Arizona State University attended and testified. Instead, they sent an external attorney uh-huh. to speak on their behalf, oh. and they hid behind a, an attorney, and not a single ASU representative was there in person to speak and answer questions. Young David, do you have that audio available? Because I think one of the reasons they didn't want to show up or show, or, or the Democrats didn't want to show up or ASU send representation is they would have been confronted with certain audio that sort of conflicts with the narrative that they've been trying to sell. Now, you have copious audio, uh, Anne, from all of that which transpired. But set this up, and then we'll play the audio. Tell us what we're about to hear. Sure. So I think it's important for your audience to remember that this has been a cooperation with Arizona State. I spent five and a half hours with their attorney. I've I've turned over evidence, transcripts of conversations, conversations that I have recorded, proof of everything I've been saying publicly. And ASU is carte blanche denying everything. And I think they know if they if they came here today, they would be faced with the evidence that they've tried so hard to deny. So the audio clip you have today is just one piece of many. It's a meeting that I attended with the dean and the vice dean of Barrett. So Dean Tara Williams, vice dean Kristen Herman. And in this particular meeting, I was told, look, it's important the speakers do talk about health, wealth, happiness. They don't talk about these other areas. And I've been saying to ASU all along, 
This is censorship of speech. So here's one example. It's a we'll do it second. when we come back from the break. But I just want to make sure I understand that this I, – I think I understand. I, it, I, I've heard the audio before. These are officials at ASU telling you to tell Dennis Prager what he cannot talk about. Precisely. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Lynn Blake and Ann Atkinson are my guests in studio talking about the free speech crisis at ASU and the hearings that uh, the follow up, the second hearing that took place today at the state legislature where Lynn testified again for her full uh, story. You can uh, go back to the video uh, at this AZ, AZ.ledge, azledge.gov is the website to uh, get her testimony from the ad hoc committee. And you were setting up right before the break a conversation. So what ASU does is they say they have all these great principles of free speech um, in their policies, in their multiple different policies at ASU, from handbooks to elsewhere. But what happens is the practice is very much different from what actually happens. So while they rest on the laurels of what they say, the problems are in what they execute and in what they do. You have a lot of audio of what transpired here this is an example of it. This is a vice dean talking to you before the Dennis Prager event with the dean in the room with you saying nothing. But we have the audio of this conversation. Young David, would you play this audio, please? What I want to know, Anne, because it's really for you as the executive director, that uh, that there conversation is about health, wealth, and happiness, as you've suggested it will be, mm-hmm. and not about higher education or, or anything that could be um, deemed as political or turned into a political platform. That we're not leveraging any of those conversations to make political statements that are going to alienate our audiences. Oh, we can't alienate audiences at ASU. Why is there free speech in policy if audiences aren't meant to feel somewhat uncomfortable from time to time? By the way, no one was compelled to go to this event. Correct. So the vice dean with the dean present saying nothing tells you that Dennis Prager at an institution of higher education cannot say anything about higher education. Sorry for the jump in octave in my voice there. This is amazing. Correct. Higher education was Or politics. Or anything that could be deemed as political by whom I don't know. Yeah. And I'm wondering, okay, so let me back up a second. This is how ASU works. They say they have free speech. They say they have these policies. And there are, there are so many nuanced ways that they stifle speech they don't like. And in, this is just one example. And it's really important for you and your position as executive director of the Lewis right. Center that they don't talk about higher education or anything that could be deemed as political. This is how ASU censors speech. And they'll say, well, we were just following, we follow policies and procedures. In this instance, ASU admitted um, in a way that they could have communicated better to me. Uh-huh. But, in, but instead of admitting that they were trying to censor speech and keeping topics off limit, I, I want to know... When Ibram Kendi came to campus, was he advised that he was not allowed to talk about anything that could be deemed as political? When the committee revealed today that ASU paid the Clinton Foundation half a million dollars in 2015 for Hillary Clinton to come and speak, was Hillary Clinton told not to talk about anything that could be deemed as political? 
Why is there a second standard? How about Angela speech? Davis? Angela Davis, who was one of the most top, was on the top ten most wanted list for the FBI for complicity in providing the arms that killed a judge and a law enforcement official. I wonder if anyone said Angela Davis, who was given an award by Eric Honecker, the Nightmare of Germany. I wonder if anyone thought to say she shouldn't speak on issues of higher education or anything political. What was that other phrase of art at the end or anything that would make uncomfortable? What was it? Or anything that could alienate our audience. Alienate the audience. In the past month and a half at ASU, there's been what I would consider something like a lot of alienation of audiences. I saw a group of Jewish students needing police escort to be safely taken out of a student government meeting because rocks were being thrown at them and insults and slurs were being unleashed at them. I, um, I have seen marches at ASU and protests uh, calling for the genocide and end of the Jewish population of Israel. I wonder if any, any, any faculty or administration, to your knowledge at ASU, has talked to anyone at ASU about that kind of alienation or that kind of supremacy of any kind or that kind of, let's use their words, purveyance of hate. You know, there was an ASU student who came to the hearing today, and he described attending to witness the, the Students for Justice in Palestine protests on campus. And he said there was a group of Jewish students and they were approached by these pro-Hamas students, and they were given a, a finger across the neck. They were as told, if they were to have their throat slit. As if they were to have their throat slit, they were told Hitler was right. We're going to gas you, yeah, f you, gas Jews. the Jews, f and you. that is just their expression of speech per ASU. There are two standards. I'm wondering if a lot of investigations are going on here. I'm wondering if uh, there's going to be. Lynn, you know, you, you, you did some follow-up on this, Lynn, um, after the Board of Regents decided to try and double down on their pretext for your firing. And you wrote a very detailed response to the secretary of the board. Was it the secretary of the Board of Regents? Executive director. Executive director of the Board of Regents. I have to speak just a little closer to that microphone. You wrote a very detailed letter. People can get it online. It constituted a lot of your testimony today. Uh, and it detailed where the Board of Regents had this story wrong, point after point after point after point. Did you ever hear back from the Board of Regents? Was there ever a follow-up from them with you? No, not once. I no, mean, I'm still once. waiting. Yeah. This was when? It's been since April. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I heard two of those people testifying today at the state legislature. I, saw, I watched it on, online. I, was, uh, th- I thought I understood th- what was going on um, at ASU vis-a-vis the anti-Semitic uh, uprisings over the last uh, month and a half. I had no idea. I mean, I was slack-jawed when I heard that one student's testimony. This one student who he himself said was just was not Jewish. Yes, he I was a... slack-jawed. My, my jaw was on the floor. What the hell is going on at ASU? It, you know, here's what's happening. It's the people within the university. ASU has hired many radical faculty members, not all, but many. And in, when you have weak leadership or leadership, leadership that is simply aloof, the radical members assume control. That's what happened at Barrett. That's what's happening now across the university, and the university administration is not standing up to that. So when the executive director of ASU Gamage and and, and Lynn's former colleagues gang up on her and say, look, you were you invited a, a white supremacist to our stage. How dare you? ASU administration is letting them run 
the asylum. These inmates are running the asylum, and it's an issue university-wide. And then, frankly, Arizona State should be leading the nation in terms of free speech. They have a hundred and Given all they say about themselves with regard to free speech. They no. should be the leader. There are 140,000 students. They should be leading, and they are failing to show up. They're failing to lead. And the thing they are succeeding at is showing the double standards. A conservative comes to speak, comes to speak we're going to rain down the gates of hell. Uh, but you have this kind of terror-supporting movements going on, this intimidation of minority students in violation not just of state law but federal law, and they're saying nothing to see here. Quite a place, Arizona State University, quite a place, this thing called the Barrett's Honors College. We'll be right back with some final thoughts. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. I want to thank Ann Atkinson and Lynn Blake for being here talking about the hearing today uh, at the state legislature on the free speech crisis at ASU. Lynn, just two quick questions, and then I'm going to have Ann uh, fill in the last uh, last word for us here, if that's okay. You were dismissed from your job. Do you have any doubt in your mind you were dismissed because you helped facilitate this event that brought in Dennis Prager? That's exactly why. Thank you. I want people to watch your testimony today. Um, anything people have heard to the contrary based in any fact whatsoever as you know them? I, I know that I've told the truth today. I shared my firsthand experience, and um, anything else is, is fabricated. Bless you. Thank you. Thank you for standing up. It's not easy to do this, and you paid a price, so thank you. And final thoughts. Yeah, I think— What we have seen this year is a reinforcement that there is a gap between what ASU says and what it does. And we have seen this thematically and in the detail as well. ASU says one thing, they do another. For example, they said we were going to retain the Lewis Hunter courses. And ASU's attorney today said, look, they retained the Lewis Hunter courses. Well, no, they cut the courses by 38%. They're cutting them down, which is a, a cut from last year. So they're, they're whittling away these courses, but they say we're continuing the courses. They say that we are, we are continuing the, the impactful programming of the Lewis Center, but they're offering courses and, and workshops on men and feminism, sexual politics, fixing the framers' failure, indigenous <laughs> affairs, and— Nothing that was envisioned by trans, Tom Lewis and the Lewis Center. No, no. trans-queer Pueblo and the struggle for liberation, things that don't prepare students for the real world. So— I, and then the, the lastly, the, their attorney today said, look, ASU, he was asked if ASU has a culture problem. And he said, you know, ASU is really following its policies and procedures. And that is the issue. And that's where I ask your audience to pay attention to this. They will not hold themselves accountable. We need brave parents and students. Talk about what you're seeing. Come to those of us who are speaking out publicly. Show us what you're seeing to support your legislators who are in this fight Senator Anthony Kern, Representative Kwan Wen, I mean, they are in this fight. Representative Austin Smith, they're, they're in this fight. Support them. Donors pay attention. Parents, students pay attention because the university cannot monitor itself. It needs outside intervention. That is the point of having a state legislature that has oversight authority that none of the Democrats showed up for in ASU deigned not to uh, testify in front of. People can follow you on Twitter, X, we call it Twix around here, at Ann, no E, A-N-N, at Ann underscore Atkinson underscore A-Z. Yes. Lynn Blake, thank you. Thank you. Ann Atkinson, thank you. Thank you. We'll be right back.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.